Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to the Compass Catholic Changemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kano. On this podcast, we talk about how to live with our money as Catholics. Hi, Changemakers. This is Caitlin Kano, and this week's episode is from the Compass Catholic Vault. It's named Mastery Over Money, and it first went live on November 17th, 2019. In this episode, hosted by Steve Holbrook, John and Evelyn Bean discuss what you have to do to truly master your money. If you're not familiar with John and Evelyn, they are the co-founders of Compass Catholic. There's so much great stuff in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. I'm Steve Holbrook, and with me, the co-founders of Compass Catholic Ministries, John and Evelyn Bean. In our culture, there is a growing divide between our faith in the rest of our life. John, would you agree or disagree with this statement? You know, we often disconnect our faith from the more secular aspects of life, especially when it comes to how we manage money. I agree with that, but why should I care? Why do I need to connect my faith life with the rest of my life? I go to church once in a while. You know, if somebody asks me to give, I'll give. Look, I'm a good Catholic. Why do I need to worry about all this other stuff? Because integrating your faith into all aspects of your life provides so many blessings. It affects how we work, how honest we are, how we treat people, and how good we steward all the blessings that God has trusted us with. So the purpose of our lives should be to live in a way that pleases God in all areas, even when it comes to our personal finances. And so giving is a part of our responsibility to be good money managers, but it's not the only part, right? That's correct. When making decisions about money, we always need to ask ourselves, is this helping me be the person God wants me to be? It's not good or bad to spend money on things. It's are you spending money you need elsewhere on stuff that you really don't need? And are your priorities out of order for your spending? I think that once we put God in first place and money in some other place that's lower than first, everything in our lives kind of seems to fall into place. I mean, I know that's what happened to me. Once I got my priorities set up, God first, money someplace else. Putting God first is not how the majority of our society thinks or 
how we are influenced even to think. So the bottom line is that we are all called to be stewards of God's blessings. You know, I think one of the challenges is in so many parishes and dioceses, when we hear the word stewardship, it's all about giving. The priest may be um, giving a, a homily on stewardship, but too often it's the need for an increase in the offertory, or there's a capital campaign, or it's time for the yearly pledge. So stewardship has kind of become this password for we need more money, whereas true stewardship really encompasses all areas of our lives, doesn't it, John? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we should not be greedy. Proverbs 23, 4 says, Do not wear yourself out to gain wealth. Cease to be worried about it. And we should not uh, make hasty decisions. Proverbs 21, 5 says, The plans of the diligent end in profit, but those of the hasty and in loss. So that would be the compulsive buyer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, you know, you're, you're just buying real quick because it's too good. It's going to go away in the next 30 seconds, you know. Or it's one of those things where if I spend $100, I'm going to save $20, which never works, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> we should be generous. Proverbs twenty-one thirteen says, those who shut their ears to the cry of the poor will themselves call out and not be answered. And debt is bad. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. These verses are really pretty clear, and they're pretty simple and easy to understand. And they give us a, a more all-encompassing view that simply giving is not the entire picture of stewardship. Learning to live a stewardship lifestyle is not easy because it encompasses so much of what we do all day, every day. It really means taking a step back and analyzing all of our motives and our actions. Am I greedy? Like getting back to the Bible verses you said, am I greedy? Do I make hasty buying decisions just because it's there and I have the money? Am I generous? Am I overrun with debt? So it's easy for us to point our fingers at other people we think have these faults, but maybe it's a little more difficult to see these faults in our own lives. And the other thing is, and here's a shout out to, to Father Pat in Ocala, stewardship is not a program. Stewardship is a way of life. You can't treat it like a program. It has to be the way you live your life. And I think once we step back and examine our life in the light of true stewardship, Managing money simply becomes more of an administrative matter. We can escape from all the pressure society puts on us to influence us to buy the latest and greatest, or we're not important if we don't have a lot of money, or we have to have this and that thing in order to be important or worthwhile. So money is simply just a medium of exchange. It's not a statement of how valuable we are. But so many times we give money and influence. We, we raise level, the level of money to an influence that is totally unhappy. Out of order. It's totally uh, out unhealthy. of order. Unhealthy. Yeah. Unhealthy for our lives. The purpose of our lives is to know, to love, and to serve the Lord. And if the way we're handling money hinders our ability to do that, how we manage our money needs to be changed. So how do you think we have to change our lifestyle? or our mindset in order to achieve that. What's the first practical step we can do? You have any ideas, Steve? 
The first thing that comes to mind, if you really want to get yourself right, is the Bible study we offer, Navigating Your Finances God's Way. One of the early principles that you learn is the fact that God owns everything and we are stewards, we are managers of of those possessions that he's given us. Now, and I'll be honest, that principle that God owns everything was very challenging for me to wrap my arms around. But after several months and just really focusing in on that principle, I really came to understand what God owns everything really means. And that's a real big eye-opener for more, most people, that God owns everything. Oh. But if you trace everything back, I mean, you could say, well, I have the talents to do my job. Right. Well, yeah, but who gave you the talents? Exactly. Who gave you the life in order to be able to go to work? Who gave you your wife? Who gave you your children? And, and it, everything it, it, goes back to God. It's my money, right, John? That was your attitude. Absolutely. I earned it. I made it. I deserved it. It's mine. It's mine. And I'll do with it what I want. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But didn't acknowledging that God made everything and owns everything, didn't that really change kind of the way you looked at everything in your life? Oh, without a doubt. From that point on, it really made us focus in on needs and wants and asked ourselves, do we really need this? And that's when we began to wait 24, 48 hours before we made any type of big purchase. We came home, thought about it, talked about it, prayed about it. Or no, we don't need it, but it will en enhance our life and we really want it and we have the money for it. So let's get it. Yeah. But it's not frivolous. Just no. spend your money on whatever comes up and nope. whatever's on sale nope. and whatever nope. you see. So with God first, everything else kind of follows after that. Don't you think, John? Absolutely. Money, managing our money wisely is just a way that we can show God that he reigns in our hearts. And knowing uh, that we possess material things to help fulfill our calling as a Christian helps us to differentiate between the needs and the wants. And that's so hard in today's society because everything is a need. Oh, exactly. Or a lot of them say, you'll be happy if you get this. Mm -hmm. Life will be so much better. Life, you deserve it. That's the one that always gets me. Yes. You deserve the new $80,000 car because you deserve it. The other part of stewardship, of course, is giving. And giving is our way of returning to God some of the blessings that he's first given to us. So it's not about how much of our money that we give to God. The real question is how much of God's money do we need to keep? And, and that's an important distinction. Because God needs our money, right? Yeah, God doesn't need our money at all. But we need to understand that because of him, we have it. And if it wasn't because of him, we probably wouldn't have it. Well, and I think the other part of that is God knows we have a need to give. I mean, when we first um, started learning these principles, we were not generous givers, I guess is a good way to put it. We would put money in the basket every Sunday at Mass, but it certainly wasn't, it was pocket change. It's not, an obligation. You have to yeah, do it, yeah. It was, yeah, like, well, how, how little can I get away with? I just want to do the minimum to skate by so I can, everybody can see my envelope in the basket, but, you know, I'm just going to put in the minimum. But once you learn to be generous, it changes everything. You know, we don't give because God needs the money. We give because we need to give. We need to have that, that sense of generosity in our hearts. Our giving is a pretty good indicator of really where our treasure lies. If you're withholding your generosity, then uh, I think money is plays a whole much bigger role in your life than 
maybe it should. Because it's so easy to give grudgingly or not give at all. Or, um, you know, in today's world, our giving should come from the material blessings that we've received, not necessarily be just one more bill to pay. The Catechism tells us that the faithful also have the duty of providing for the material needs of the church, each according to his abilities. And I think that according to his abilities is a really important clarifier. If you look at generosity verses in the Bible, and I just heard uh, uh, new ones today uh, from Tobit chapter 4, it talks about giving according to your capability, according to your capacity. I, I think that's just so important that we can give. We just have to realize that we have that capacity, that capability. Sometime last year, I was in Austin, Texas, and I was uh, attending Mass at Sacred Heart, and the pastor was doing a homily on stewardship, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but he said, the money that you give on Sundays is really not stewardship. It's an obligation. You're a member of this church, and you have an obligation to help support this church. He said, it's what you do with your money, your time, and your talents beyond Sunday's collection. That's true stewardship. This is Manage Your Money God's Way, presented by Compass Catholic Ministries. John and Evelyn Bean are taking us through a discussion on the mastery over money. And that made me think about the story of the rich fool. You find that in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. John, can you give us kind of a synopsis of this uh, verse? Well, it's all about the, the man who had become so wealthy that he wanted to tear down his barns and build bigger barns because the barns he had wouldn't hold all of the crops that he had uh, uh, been able to raise that year. And it, the problem was it never occurred to him that he could have built an additional barn. Uh, he never thought about sharing his wealth with others. Um, this rich guy was unwilling to give up his material things. And in the verse itself, there's a major word, probably the most important word in the whole uh, series of five verses there that we're talking about. And it's probably the shortest word in there. Three letters. Die. All. 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 <laughs> he wanted to save all and keep all of his stuff. Jesus never condemned the money that this man had, only that he was not willing to give it up. It took priority over God. You know, we have to be able to walk away from anything and everything for Christ as he is revealed in our hearts. You know, making money is, is one of those things that we should be able to walk away from. I totally hear what you're saying, and I believe it. But I wonder how I, that would be so hard to live. I mean, it's easy for us to say that, but it's very hard if we were forced to live it. But I think... What do you all, mean by that? I think if tomorrow our house burned down and we lost everything we had, it would be difficult. It would definitely be a challenge. I don't want our listeners to think that, that we're saying this lightly because it would be difficult for anybody to walk away from everything they had or to lose everything. But I guess it's the attitude in your heart that determines your thought process when that happens. You know, God gives and God takes away. So I'm, I'm, I don't want people to think we're saying it's easy. Just walk away from what you have. 
I want them to understand that we understand it's hard and it's difficult. And if something like that happened through floods or hurricanes or fire or whatever happened to them, we sympathize with them mm -hmm. and we understand it's not easy and we're not trying to say this lightly. No, I think it goes back to what we talked about last week, contentment. And it goes back to what John mentioned um, 10 minutes ago when you're talking about generosity. It is a change of attitude. You know, how important are the things that we have? How important is it to, are, are they to us? Well, and a lot of times when you see the news stories and it's, you know, a, a hurricane went through town, or not a hurricane, a tornado went right. through town and people are so grateful just to be alive and to have their family alive and to have their children with them that they don't mind the fact that all the stuff that was so important before the storm is gone. See, that's what I mean, everyone. When I was talking about it, 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 I really feel it has to be an event in someone's life because maybe if you would have spoken to those individuals 72 hours prior, they may have thought about this is going to be devastating. I don't know how we're going to survive. But after the fact, I think is when the light comes on and you're going, wow, thank God I'm alive. Well, and hopefully it's not as traumatic as that for people to understand that. But I do agree with you. I think there's always a turning point in our life where we can either turn toward God or turn away from God. And so many times that turning point, the fulcrum for that turning point is money. Mm -hmm. You know, it's our attitude True. about money that turns us in one direction or another. I'm just thinking about... Uh, where we are and, and if we had a hurricane or a tornado come in and totally blow our house away we lose all of our furniture because it's water soaked or, or destroyed uh, from trees falling on the house or whatever where would we be well god has given us just a multitude of blessings in our lives especially over the last 25 or 30 years and because of that We've tried to make plans and do things that protect us and will allow us to carry on if something like that happened. You know, we have insurance, we, we have uh, savings, those kinds of things. If that happened tonight, the next uh, 9 to 12 months would be extremely difficult. You know, you'd be living in a hotel or you're living in a rental house or well, but would, we would be able to do that we wouldn't be you know living on the curb and, and sleeping in a chair in the gutter or something like that i think one of the biggest blessings god's given us over the past 25 or 30 years is our christian community and i'd go knocking right. on doors and staying with our friends well that's absolutely <laughs> if they true, were though. if they were not homeless also <laughs> And I have a stable out back. <laughs> and that's really the importance of two things. Number one, the benefits and blessings that come from having a Christian community. And number two, the thought process that puts money into the proper perspective and, and doesn't make it the driving force of our life. To have something like that happen, and it could happen at any time. I mean, we live in central Florida. We get hurricanes. We get tornadoes. There's lots of bad things that can happen. But I don't think that, that it would destroy our lives i think it would be a blip in the life but i agree with you i think that we just kind of soldier on you just and it, most people are in that mindset you just kind of take where you are and move forward with it you know that type of a scenario goes even further to profess what father pat says all the time stewardship is not a program because a program you know if you get just an earth-shattering kind of calamity of a hurricane or a tornado or a flood total devastation if stewardship is a program it's not going to survive that uh, calamity right mm -hmm. but if it's a lifestyle if you're living stewardship as a lifestyle 
everything else, God is number one, everything else falls down the list someplace, then you're going to be able to recover and, and it's not going to destroy you. It's not going to destroy your family. As long as you have your life, then, you know, you have the ability to keep on keeping on. And I think that um, one of the things we need to make sure that we do is not to give money first place in our hearts, that place where God should be, because that prideful heart is an obstacle to the pure heart that God wants us to have. And money can be one of the tools that God uses to break us of our faults. What is in our hearts becomes evident through outward signs like debt or greed or overabundance of stuff that we don't need or use or want. Many, many, many times the financial problems that we face have their root in spiritual issues. You know, I think that's what I found when, when uh, 30 years ago. I didn't have God first, okay? We give money the an importance that it really doesn't deserve. And when we use money to find fulfillment, whether we're greedy or stingy with the, with the money that God has blessed us with, recognizing those problems can uh, can be an issue. It makes things very difficult. Simply put, money is stuff we use to get more stuff. I love that. Say it again. Money is stuff we use to get more stuff. So we really should be more concerned about our spiritual life and pleasing God than about how much stuff we have, right? Absolutely. You know, the parable of the talents teaches us that God is looking for faithfulness in little things. Those talents were the form of money. And the man who entrusted his money to those servants expected a return. And two of the servants managed their money well and were rewarded with more of their master's good. But that third servant, he was called wicked because he managed his money poorly. He just buried it in the ground. When the master returned, he punished the one servant for mismanagement of his goods. He told him that if he couldn't even handle such a little task, he would never be able to uh, enjoy the fruits of greater responsibility. So in many ways, when we master our money, we master ourselves. Mastery over money grows into a broader ability to know, love, and serve the Lord. And as we better know and love and serve the Lord, we become more obedient in all areas of our lives. And as we become more obedient, we're showing that we can be trustworthy. And as we become more trustworthy, the Lord bestows greater blessings on us. Now, we're not saying that if we're more generous, we're going to get more money. That's absolutely the false impression. You know, we don't want you to have that. What we're saying is that if we submit ourselves to the Lord, many blessings will come to us in the form of peace and joy and contentment. Evelyn and I's marriage was strengthened so many times because of our faithfulness and our obedience when we were struggling. So the foundation of mastery over money is, first of all, serving the Lord is our number one priority and knowing what God wants us to do with our lives. When discussing money, we must always return to our call as Christians and spending decisions need to be thought of in terms of our faith. Asking yourself how this purchase is going to help me be a better steward before you make the purchase is a much more beneficial uh, way of handling the situation than beating yourself up after your credit card purchases stack up. 
So once you gain mastery over money, nothing is the same. And that's a good thing. Yeah, gaining mastery over money is a very important step that will help you control your spending and then watch out. All the great things will begin to happen. You'll get to reduce and then eliminate your debt. You'll begin to save for important things like your child's education, emergency fund, your retirement. Now, if you would like a copy of today's show, it's available for you simply by going to compasscatholic.org. Scroll down on the homepage and click on podcast. You can also read Evelyn's blog on gaining control of your money, also located off the homepage at compasscatholic.org. And before we leave you today, let's get to a couple of emails we received this week. John and Evelyn, I currently tithe on my gross income and receive reimbursement from my employer for college tuition. Should I tithe the reimbursement? I want to honor the Lord and don't know what to do. The quick answer to your question is yes. Uh, I would honor the Lord by giving a tithe on the reimbursement of your college tuition. Proverbs uh, 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth from the first of your increase. And this reimbursement is an increase. It's actually a blessing from God that you're getting it. And, and you're not having to take the money out of your pocket. I think we should always give against the blessings that, that he has provided for us. Because you can't outgive God. No, no. And I really appreciate uh, uh, this person's heart to honor Christ in the way he's doing it. Okay, John and Evelyn, uh, my wife and I are in a mess. We have lost at least $20,000 a year in income. We have been using our overdraft as a net to keep things going, but it's about to break. I don't want to damage our credit, but we are at a point that we cannot keep up with the credit card bills, let alone our regular living expenses. What should I do? So if you've lost $20,000 a year in your income, you should cut your budget by the same amount or maybe even a little bit more so that you're not uh, living out there a, a lifestyle that you've had in the past, but you don't have the income to support. Keep track of all your expenses on a daily basis. Uh, we've had to live with a cut in our budget, um, even greater than 20 thousand dollars and it's not an easy thing to do we appreciate that but you are going to have to make some changes in your lifestyle and believe me it's a tough road to hoe but once you start making progress it's a blessing and it will be a blessing to you in the future so don't get discouraged and we have time to squeeze in one more in fact we get this question often should we share household finances with our teenage sons or is it best to keep that private we do have some challenges right now but i don't want to worry them or place any stress on them you know i think anytime you can share whatever is appropriate with teenagers and even younger children as far as household finances it's a good learning tool to for them i wouldn't give them all the ugly details if you're in a lot of financial trouble but i would tell them that you've got debt you need to pay off or you're trying to save for a certain thing and just give them the high level view of what you're trying to do and i think you'll be surprised how much they'll buckle down and help i would also you know how much you tell them depends on how old they are and how mature they are and and their ability to maintain confidentiality Steve Harvey is making a career out of kids saying the craziest things on the TV. Well, they're only repeating what they hear from home. As long as your children are mature uh, and can handle the information you're going to give them, then I think it's a good idea.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have not yet, I invite you to go hit that subscribe button, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram. You can also go to compasscatholic.org for some great tools and resources for you as you're mastering your own money. Have a wonderful week, change makers, and God bless.